This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Series XM, Channel 132, Business Radio, that's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Ken Smothers, a professor at the Wharton campus, and we're still taping our segments on Zoom, which means no live calls for now. But in the meantime, you can always connect with me by going to my website, kentonmoney.com. You can also find a fee-only advisor, financial advisors that I've listed there. That I've also pre-screened for my approach to low-cost passive index investing investments. So there's going to be a small cost of living adjustment to your monthly Social Security benefit. If you are getting that, maybe your parents or grandparents are getting that. Starting in January, about 1.3%, $20 per person average. And there's a lot of other changes going on to Social Security, potentially with it. Uh, new administration coming in as well. So today's guest, uh, been on the show many times, good friend of mine, uh, Professor Larry Kotlikoff. He's a professor at the Boston University and president of the Economic Security Planning Incorporated, which produces personal financing planning software. Uh, Larry, welcome back to the show. Great, great to be back with you, Ken. And so, uh, Talk about a little bit this annual cost of living adjustment. How is it calculated? A lot of times people think, well, it's just not big enough. Um, you know, explain that how, how it's calculated. So uh, it's it's based on something called the CP, uh, CPIW, which is the the prices that workers um, are facing, the increase in the prices the workers are facing over the course of the year. And the way they calculate this is they look at the third quarter of one year and they of the current year, and they go back to the third quarter of the prior year and they calculate the um, third quarter to third quarter percentage increase in the uh, price index, and that's what was you know of course that's um, covering most of this period of COVID, um, well a good chunk of that period of third quarter to third quarter was period of COVID and. Uh, We've had downward pressure on prices associated with people losing jobs and not being able to spend, and uh, uh, you know. Right. Yeah, so he, he, what you're kind of suggesting that maybe it's a little bit too low in that sense. Well, if, you know, in some ways it might be even a little bit too high. You could have expected mm. uh, almost a zero inflation or even a negative inflation had the Federal Reserve and the Treasury not been so. Uh, uh, sure. If you know, we could have seen major deflation, like or at least getting going, like we saw in the 1930s in the Great Depression, because you know we're talking about in the first, uh, in the second quarter we had a decline in output around 30 percent, and they right. kind of rebounded as we everybody thought the virus was kind of somehow contained. Of course, we did nothing to really contain it, and now we're going right. back inside. So there's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, my, my point more is more like if you we do think there there's a rebound in 2021 because of you know the vaccine and so forth, um, those those prices are going to be locked in through 2021, and so it'll be kind of interesting to see how it goes. I mean, it, a little somewhat related. Do you think the CPIW is kind of the right adjustment? Sometimes people have talked about, in fact, Biden has talked about potentially switching it to something that's a little bit more 
about the basket of not what workers buy of goods and services, but of, of retirees that tend to have a little bit more health care and so forth in it. Yeah, I, you, you can make the argument that the um, we should be using a basket of goods and services that the elderly are paying because they're getting this benefit. On the other hand, you know, that means that younger people have to pay potentially higher taxes to right. cover higher benefits. So it becomes a matter of who do you want to help, who do you want to hurt. It's not like there's you know, some economics God-given uh, right calculation here, remember, uh, it's all a matter of policy. And uh, that's right. You know, Biden, a president like Biden certainly has some clear ideas about how to uh, improve the welfare for older uh, social security recipients. He wants to give anybody who's made it to age 78 a benefit increase that phases in through age 82. And it's gonna be basically 5% of the uh, of the full uh, retirement age benefit that uh, people in your cohort in your birth age group uh, who earn the average amount. If you, you know, if you go back to take somebody who was born in the same year as you and think about their average wages, the average wages of people in your cohort uh, that person would have gotten a full retirement benefit a, at full retirement age, around age 66. So that benefit, 5% of that benefit is what you're going to uh, start collecting um, in full starting at age 82 for the rest of your life. So he's got that kicker to benefits, got some other changes to um, uh, uh, benefits for state and local employees or not yeah. for by Social Security and for survival. Yeah. And that's fat, and that's actually fascinating. You understand the, the modeling framework that we use as Pentworth budget model, but we're looking at um, that type of that type of program. What we call, I think it was Marty uh, Martin Martin Feldstein, our mentor many years ago, referred to it as old old age insurance, uh, where the benefit actually increases the real purchasing power the longer that you live. To try to replicate a little bit more of an annuity. So I'd love to talk to you some more about that at some point. You know, also in terms of the payroll tax cap, uh, that's been, you know, it's, uh, it's us, uh, you know, more and more people, a higher percentage of people are above that cap over the years. Uh, but talk a little bit what's going to happen to the payroll tax cap and as, as well as their accruing worker credits. Uh, yeah, the, the cap is going to go from 137700 $137,700 to $142,800. Uh, so it's a pretty uh, significant increase, about uh, you know over $5,000 increase. Yeah. And um, so uh, that's going to be a bite out of people making um, upper income, upper middle class people. Uh, and then Biden, you know, uh, as you know, Kent, um, wants to apply the 12.4% Social Security payroll tax to Every dollar earned above four hundred thousand. So to kind of make a donor right. hole, uh, so between this number one forty two eight hundred and four hundred thousand, you wouldn't pay any extra taxes if you're in money in that range. But if you're in above four hundred thousand, uh, every dollar above four hundred thousand, you'd you'd have to pay a twelve point four percent, and that's a very hefty tax hike on the um, on the super rich. Um, and yeah. it, it uh, you know they're already paying a significant taxes, so. It, you know, I've done some some calculations that suggest it could be um, reduced uh, the, uh, the living standards of people earning a very high amounts of money 
by 15, 20%. So right. it's, not, it's not, it's really going after the rich. So if you want to think about somebody being highly progressive, uh, that's what Biden is, uh, has in mind here. Yeah, I mean, for those making four hundred thousand or more, I mean, if the if the marginal tax rate at the top goes up to back to thirty nine point something, call it forty. Add in some of the state and local taxes. Say you live in California or New York, and then add in another twelve point four percent there. I mean, you might be talking about you know fifty five percent, sixty percent marginal tax rate. You know, all in at that point, that could be uh, very interesting to see how that how that all plays out. Yeah, a lot of people may decide it's not worth working, you know, for making, uh, if you have to give, it could be, you know, you're in a 65% marginal tax bracket. I've done some yeah. uh, counts that show that. Oh, okay, yeah. But, but that's uh, quite high. Uh, do you really want to work an hour and only get, you know, for every dollar you get paid, or only take home 35 cents and the federal government takes, with the state governments together, are going to take away 65 cents? Uh, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. And that's also true because, you know, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's right. What, you know, when you think about maybe you're the secondary earner in your household and you can now afford to live on a, a lower amount of income. So yeah, that I think and that can, can contract the tax base really for everyone. Well, let's talk a little bit also about Medicare part B as in boy here, as opposed to D um, talk a bit about that. First of all, remind people what Medicare part B is and you know it, it's also the premium there is also going up a little bit more uh, a little bit uh as well i mean the aarp of course is it could have been worse so you know explain all that well there you go so there's a basic premium in medicare part b uh which is about four dollars it's going up about four dollars a month uh so that's not a huge increase the um uh if you're in the uh, progressive part of the the premium schedule, you'll you'll have a uh, also a proportional increase about um, it's going to be about a three percent increase in in your benefit whether you're paying the basic benefit or the basic benefit plus the uh, progressive part, which can be quite significant for high income people for people that had uh, high what's called match, modified adjusted gross income back two years ago because that's how they calculate whether or not you have to pay this extra kicker in terms of your Medicare Part B premium, they look back two years. So right. if you're, uh, you know, if you're thinking about taking withdrawals, if you're 65 and going on to Medicare, you got to worry about what that's going to impact your Medicare Part B premium two years from now when you're 67. It's complicated stuff. Um, anyway, it's a small increase, smaller than I think people might have expected. Uh, the uh, Medicare, the growth in Medicare costs have come down uh, in the last, uh, you know, decade basically, and um, that's a good, a good thing because you know go back 15 years ago, and and then CBO was projecting Medicare costs were going to go out completely out of bonkers, and they're still too high in terms of the cost increase, but um, not as bad as projected. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, certainly the pandemic has done some things, you know, to the social security system. At the federal work budget model, we estimate that the trust fund depletion date speeds up about four years, so the you know, the depletion happens about uh, a dozen years from now. In which case, you know, the system won't be able to pay out, you know, roughly three quarters of benefits. But it also, you know, has done 
you know, lots of, you know, things to the system overall. In fact, you mentioned that the payroll, uh, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the payroll tax ceiling, you know, it seems odd at first that it would go up by so much, <laughs> given that we're in a recession, but it's kind of, you know, it went in 2019, went from 132,900 to, you know, 2020, it was 137,700, as you mentioned, you know, going up again in 2021, when, you know, economy was in this recession, and it, a lot of it is how they do that calculation, handle zeros and so forth. So, you know, yeah. how is the pandemic, the job loss, all that stuff going to impact Social Security in your, in your opinion? Okay, well, just on that, you know, on the ceiling, uh, it's an average uh, wage, so the high earners, yeah. um, and it's not truncated, it's, um, so the high earners who haven't been right. that much by COVID, um, in some ways, the, the average can go even higher if the low earners are dropping out, as you're kind of intimating. Exactly. These um, yeah. uh, long-term prospects here, well, you know, last year they reported in, in April, not last year, just this last April, they reported a $53 trillion unfunded liability that the system is mm. in the red 53 trillion. If you look out into the uh, far future, look at all the, the, the benefits they're obligated there and present value those at a 3% or so rate and you compare with the present value of the receipts where and including the trust fund, we're talking $53 trillion short, that's over two years of GDP. So it's in terrible shape to begin with. And now, as you're mentioning you know, with COVID, um, we've had less revenue coming in, and uh, so uh, it's it could well go from 53 trillion to 60 trillion, uh, and with no correction in sight. So nothing that, Bi that uh, President like Biden has in mind will, on balance, uh, bring in more revenue than it costs. From it's not going to necessarily shore up the system's finances, as far as I understand. Maybe you have a different view uh, take on that, but. I think he's getting extra revenue. I'm going to use that to give extra benefits, which is fiscally uh, you know, conservative in some ways. But when you have a huge problem to begin with, not just with the finances of Social Security, but the overall finances of the country, uh, you know, the debt to GDP ratio, if we're talking about gross debt, uh, not debt in the hands of the public, not debt, uh, it is something like 130% of GDP, uh, I think we're heading towards end of this year, uh, that's like Italian type numbers that we heard about back right. a decade ago when everybody was worried about Italy going under or defaulting. So, uh, and this has implications for whether uh, we're gonna have the dollar remain strong. You know, if everybody sees uh, just a, a, a um, exponential growth in US uh, debt to GDP, uh, they're gonna, and they're going to say, well, how's this going to get paid off? Well, it'll be paid off by the Fed printing more money and has printed a huge amount of money already uh, in this uh, episode in the prior recession. And uh, so people are going to start thinking, well, we're going to have inflation. And then you'll see uh, people moving away from the dollar into Bitcoin, into gold, into other currencies, perhaps Swiss francs, um, mm -hmm. because they don't want to get... So I, you know, I frankly don't understand the the long-term interest rates that are out there, because I would I would not get close to a 30-year Treasury bond yielding like 1.8 or 1.5 percent, because you could lose your shirt overnight if the inflation rate hits just five percent, let alone 10 percent like we saw in the 70s. So 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's, inflation is that death by a thousand cuts. It just compounds. You know, this additional two percent inflation over twenty-five years can erode your purchasing power by over forty percent. So, you know, it's it's one of those really subtle, uh, you know, things for, for for sure. And I completely agree with you there. And so, in the terms of social security, uh, SSI, you know, explain the SSI program supplemental. Uh, income and they they will see a slight you know increase next year. You know, how much we 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 talking about there? Is it gonna? It certainly, it's not gonna um, do. Uh, I guess very much the change poverty rate since there's this kind of index there the inflation. But talk a little bit about that. So uh, SSI is uh, for really poor people who have um, I think less than around two thousand in assets. Might be a little bit more. And very low income, it's um, call it you know supplemental security income. It's I think the benefit probably will go up around three percent, the same increase uh, cola that um, social security beneficiaries are going to receive. Uh, you know it's it's a terrible program in many ways because it says to poor people, look, um, if you earn if you earn too much money, you're going to lose SSI. From one minute, to, you know, from one dollar to the next, you lose it completely. And uh, if you if you save too much money, you'll lose it uh, from one dollar to the next. So it's a uh, we and, and in general we have something like you know depending on how you think about these different benefit programs because we have some benefits programs embedded in the federal income tax like the earned income tax credit, child tax credit, so forth. Right. Uh, if you incorporate all these programs, uh, the explicit benefits and the implicit benefits, there might be uh, 30 different federal and state uh, benefit programs. And, and really it goes beyond that because every state has their own like food stamps program and earning income tax credit program and Medicaid uh, program. So, but if you put them all together, the work disincentives for the poor are just uh, horrendous. If you, I, I've done a recent study, it's on my website, kotlikoff.net on the marginal taxation of, of uh, uh, American workers. And uh, among the poor, among the poorest 20% of let's say 30 year olds, uh, you're talking about a quarter of them facing marginal tax rates of 70% or higher. So that's, you know, you know, and it could be well over 100% for a lot of people, not just, uh, but yeah. the folk are gonna be uh, 70, 80, 85%. So we're locking, we have a system, a fiscal program, a fiscal policy that's systematically locking the poor in poverty. And it's been in place for decades and nobody's really looked at it comprehensively except now for the study. Um, I think we're the most comprehensive study of this. And the picture is just awful. So we now have a new administration. They have to look at work incentives, uh, work disincentives from the fiscal side and put the whole picture together. They can't just keep adding additional programs with these uh, means uh, tests. You know, these that uh, you know, earn to earn an extra dollar, lose so much, earn some more money, lose some of your mm -hmm. Affordable Care Act, your Obamacare subsidies. You know, all these things are layering, layering on top of each other, and and uh, forget the poor. If you look at the middle class and the rich, as we just said, the super rich are going to get really zapped under this policy that Biden has in mind. Um, do we really want to go that way in terms of their work incentives or disincentives? They could leave the country. And then we got the middle class. Uh, 
the, the median number for them is around 45% marginal tax rate. So most, you know, half of or close to half of what you're earning is going to either the federal or the feds or the states in extra taxes, including sales taxes, um, because that's an implicit tax on labor. Uh, so we have a big problem here of insolvency for the country, but also work disincentive. So we need a entire entire remake do-over of our fiscal system to be able to you know, pay for what we're trying to spend through time and not leave the whole thing to our kids, but also give people incentives to work and uh, or as opposed to kind of staying in poverty or going to illegal yeah. activities or just leaving the country if you're super rich. Yeah, which very much all those things certainly could could happen. And now I think your study on looking through all these different programs, look at the, the incentives. I think for a lot of listeners, they might think it's odd that a low income person could face a high marginal tax rate. And of course, it's economic lingo for basically saying it's like a tax when you lose a benefit and you lose these benefits when you make a little bit more money or you save a bit more depending on how that benefit is either income or, or asset tested. So we could we could talk probably for a good hour and so, so many of the different things that you've looked through, including some of these plans that just convert the explicit debt to more implicit debt that um, is something that you've pioneered over the years of helping people think through. So uh, Larry, fantastic job. Once again, thanks so much for coming back onto the program. Anytime, Ben. Uh, let's do, do this again soon. Great, fantastic. And if you'd like to learn more about Professor Kotlikoff, you can go to his website, which you mentioned earlier, which is kotlikoff.net, and that's with two Fs in the end, kotlikoff.net. I'm Kent Smithers. You're listening to Your Money. This is Radio Series XM Channel 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you.